In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. It can't be happening again. Stop! It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dancer, it'll happen twice. Valentine. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, you're Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. It's Cat's oh. Calendar Horror Week. <laughs> Woo! A few weeks late on each entry. Well, we are you know. far past Valentine's Day. We're far past April Fools. A few weeks late anyway on that one. You don't know what you got till it's gone, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Starting with uh we're going back to 1981. What a year. I was thinking what a year 1981 was for horror. <laughs> I guess everyone doesn't there, feel that way. There's going to be a murder tonight on the podcast. Yeah, what's your Calvin. He's so little, you can't really, you can't throw a newspaper at him or something because you could hurt I him. I did that yes. once. I know. And then he like yelped on the podcast. We're going to check out this week, we're uh, talking about My Bloody Valentine. 20 years ago in the sleepy mining town of Valentine Bluffs, a fatal mining disaster takes the lives of five workers while those in charge attend Valentine's dance. A lone survivor, Harry Warden, wakes from a coma and kills two supervisors in retaliation. Now a group of young adults decide to hold another dance, and brutal murders are happening again. It appears Harry Warden has returned to punish those who did not heed his warnings. This was a fun little gory 80s slasher. Apparently not as gory as it once was, according to Trent. I had never seen the original. I have indeed uh, seen the um, the beautiful Jensen Ackles uh, remake, the 3D version. What's, what's Jensen Ackles? Oh, Trent, let me tell you about my, my daddy Jensen. It sounds um, like a disease. I would like <laughs> him Ackles to give me a disease, to be honest. Um, he is one of the stars of... Supernatural, which me and Kevin both oh, love. Oh, so he's in the the Bloody Valentine remake. He's in the remake. So yes, he's okay. in the the new one. He's three D. That's the a great hot one. Buff guy. I yeah. like that one. I like that one. I think I might like the remake better if I'm being honest with you. And I don't know if it's the well, the rippling biceps, but um, it, it was probably the rippling biceps. But the they're very different. So they obviously like go in two different ways. Um, I think the newer one just has like. More like mid-aughts tropes and like fake boobs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but story's not very similar, but kind of similar. 
but they twist you in different ways, which I think is fun for a remake. It's not just the exact same thing. I think there's something to be said about the 80s campiness going on here. It wasn't overly, like, gory. The, it, the story was interesting, I would say. Like, the whole, like, oh, he's back from the dead and murder mystery and la 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 la. So I thought it was fun. It's a win for me either way because you get gore and you get boobs. So I think that's what Did I, you get boobs? Well, you get, like, you, you know, I don't know if you got nipple. Do we, were there nipples in this one? It was rated R. You don't know much R. about getting boobs because... It's all about the nipple. Well, there's no nipple. There's no boob. The presence of the boobs were there. They're probably like They're some tight there. shirts. Well, I, I don't know if you get boobs in this, but well, either way, I had a nice time. <laughs> I'm happy to have brought the classics this week. I think I did a really great job, so I'm gonna keep patting myself well, on the I back. Guess like I guess we'll last be week. the judge of that, won't we? Yeah, I guess we might. I mean, it's not a profound film, but um, I just I can't wait to hear what you guys think about. This movie. I, I disagree. I think this is kind of a profound film. This is Friday the 13th in a mine. Mm-hmm. This is someone that was like, okay, it's 1981. We're killing it. Like Halloween. We have uh, Friday the 13th. We have all of these other movies. Black that Christmas. Have, yeah. We've done Ooh. all of this in different settings. So yeah, we've done the sorority house. We've done the small town. We've done the camp on a lake. Let's take it to the mines. Underground. That's what my bloody Valentine is, pretty much. It's just a bunch of disposable characters in a different setting. Um, I will give this one credit. Like, they tried to do, like, the Friday the 13th twist in a different way. And I will say that the miner is a pretty imposing and pretty scary character in terms of, like, like, the slasher lore. This also is not gory. Is this, like the original like US version of a video nasty like why of all the movies that had come out before and after this was this so I know. harshly yeah uh picked apart by the MPAA where they wouldn't yeah. let it out without 9 minutes of edits one theory i saw was that there was heightened sensitivity because of the shooting and killing of john lennon oh fuck that guy I don't know. Who cares? Some say some people say that factored into the guts. <laughs> maybe was I just maybe it was implied gore to me that just made me feel like it was more gorier than yeah, it really was. Not I mean, gory. Te- yeah. a testament to the editors that a lot of the gore is off screen and mm-hmm. it still is pretty effective. One thing that we probably hadn't seen until my bloody Valentine was a pickaxe, mm-hmm. you know, in a mine. I can't think. I can't think. Like to me, we'd seen them, is that but what not you think is profound about it? No, but I'm, I'm saying to, say why it's to me, like in, in thinking of all the horror movies that I'd seen up until that point, but which I was very young at this, so I, I saw this way later in life. I had never thought about what it would be like to just be hit with a fucking miner's like pickaxe, mm. not like this little like yeah. like ice pick right. or I something. Like, like I like it. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think that. Largely, most of the characters are underdeveloped. They're very disposable. You're just waiting for them to die. Uh, it really revolves around this whole like love triangle, and you have to like sort of care about that. Which I don't know how much the movie really makes you care about that. But I'll give my bloody Valentine uh, a thumbs up just because original setting in the mines. They shot it in mines, which I think is cool. Also, props for like the Jaws tie-in where you had, like, people start dying. So there's the legend of Harry Warden, and then you have people start dying, and the mayor and the sheriff are like, we can't tell anybody. Like, 
they're going to have a Halloween or uh, sorry, a Valentine's <laughs> Day dance, but we can't tell anybody. We'll cancel the dance, but nobody can know that people are dying. So like that was sort of like a, a I thought like a little wink wink at Jaws. Mm. I liked this one. I do like the uh, remake better, though. Yes, it's streaming, but the blood is not. I Hello. saw this way back in 1981. This is a movie that scared me a lot back then. And I watched this about two months ago, and I was immediately, two things I thought. I was searching. I thought IMDb was wrong because I was certain that TJ was played by the same actor that plays Negan in The Walking Dead, but a younger version. He looks just like that guy. The other thing I thought was, man, I was soft when I was seven mm. years old. Yeah. Why was I so, serve, yeah, like, why was I so scared <laughs> of this movie? Why did I think this was so brutal? But this was front and center at the video store. It was on HBO, it was on Cinemax, it was probably on USA after that. Uh, I saw this a ton uh, when I was super young. Without the gore, it's kind of like an anti dance. 1980s footloose, <laughs> footloose. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a, kind of affair. Uh, they you know they can't have the dance and they're trying to cancel it. And there's a mad toxic thruple mm. uh, in this um, that kind of makes it hard to cheer for anybody. I like my bloody Valentine. I just don't like the clean version. I think it's way too soft serve compared to what I remembered it being like. And I think that. The gore is like what you want from mm-hmm. a slasher from this area, uh, this this era, because I don't know. That was like when they were all experimenting with special effects. This guy yeah. got totally ripped off. Yeah. I don't even know his name. I know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, I think because we've been watching so many really eccentric, weird, deep cut early 80s slashers that. I'm I'm getting kind of bored of the more middle of the road ones now because I always used to really like this one, and I think also I'm I'm colored a little bit by the remake which I really liked. I haven't seen that in in quite a while, but I liked it. And then like you guys talked about, you know, right now this is is this on HBO or this is just VOD? This yeah, is this is HBO. just VOD. This is um, HBO or VOD. Everyone. All the, the the online streaming services, they all have the original 90-minute theatrical cut. And I'm pretty sure that I didn't see this when I was a kid. I saw it later. 2009, there was a, a version released that has three extra minutes in it. Mm. And they're important minutes. The pickaxe going up through the, the um, throat, through the eyeball, and, and then through the eye socket, and then having the eyeball on the end of the pickaxe, for example... Oh. The woman who's killed in the showers when he picks her up. Okay, that scene, they they, they cut away, but in the uncut, because I've watched supplemental kills on YouTube this week. Same. Uh, <laughs> the uncut, you see her up there on the thing, and then he turns on the water, and the water starts oh. going through her mouth. The lady that dies in the dryer in the laundromat, Mabel. It's really good. Okay, you see her just pop out of the dryer, but in the uncut, the dryer is still going, and she's spinning, spinning around her <laughs> burned the body is like spinning all around so more extended and so these are only you know moments but all together i think they add up when you take all that stuff out it's i think a high quality early 80s slasher it's well made that opening scene is one of the best i think opening dutch angle 
down in the mines. Very good. And everybody's walking toward you, the miners, and they all have the helmets and the lights and the gas masks on. You can't see anybody's face. Very scary. And then the, the miner is going to get it on. One of the miners takes off the suit, and it's a woman, and she's getting undressed. They're going to have sex. You're like, wow, this how, how can this get better? Oh, she gets impaled on the pickaxe. My Woo. God. I'm sold right away. But then from there, I don't know. It got a little soft. I liked it. To me, this is like uh, helmet horror. Very similar to the Prowler. And I, I think the Prowler is the superior. But I, I do like the helmet horror thing. The guy's got a helmet on. My God. Uh, and the gas mask. You know, that's scary. And I think it's also very similar to the Prowler in the whole dance thing. The red rose. Remember the Prowler with the rose? He went to war and all that. Very, very. It's basically the same movie, except you don't have the mines. Uh, and I think the Prowler, you have just much better gore. Um yeah, I don't know. This is a good movie, but maybe I'm just I'm a little bit over some of these um, less remarkable slashers. I think the Prowler was going more for uh, like a Jalo like slasher, and this one is more. I'm going to take like everything that has already been done and just put it in a mine. Right. I think that sure that both the movies this week kind of fit in that, and they're coming off the wake of the successes of Friday the Thirteenth, um, and that was such a great time because 81 there's more horror movies that came out and, and good ones in that year. It's like such a classic year. Did anyone pick up on the twist in this one? So the twist yeah. in both the, the original and the remake are very, very different. But in this one, did oh. anybody pick up on the, uh, the OG 81? I mean, I haven't seen this in a long time, but I, I didn't really ever see any hints coming as to who the killer oh, was. Oh, you mean before the end? No, I it had me. I suspected Tom. I thought that this movie could have had a little less fun in some moments. I don't think we needed the fast motion uh, running to the car with the banjo music. There's some like weird like harmonica jam session that was really unnecessary. But do you know who did the music? I do, uh, uh, Paul Zaza. But do you know what he did that we've talked about already? What? In Prom Night, remember how we talked about the original disco music? Oh, that was him. How like they tried to get all like all the like the OG wow. like actual disco music, and then they were wow. like, "Yeah, that's way too expensive." So he did all that original disco music in Prom Night. He's a visionary. Well, I loved the the closing number, the Ballad of Harry Warden. It's not yes. every day, and I will give this credit all day for that. It's not every day that you get an original folk composition song about the killer of the movie at the end. I really liked that. Ballad of Harry Warden. It made it like a Western kind of. Yeah, yeah, that, that was cool. Um, directed by George Mihalka. I don't think he's directed anything that uh, the writer of this, uh, John Biard, wrote Happy Birthday to Me. Another classic oh, slasher. We haven't talked same. about that one. It's another calendar. Calendar Another horror. calendar horror. That's <laughs> right. And I, and I did read the producers of this. You can just see them getting together and being like, all right, we did, you know, Halloween, did Friday the 13th. We did Christmas. You know, what's what's next? <laughs> just think how fun that would be when you realize that that formula works. Yeah. Like, let's go. <laughs> like, such, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a thin uh, formula to, to hang a movie on. It's just like, it's just a day that people know. Like Arbor Day. Is flag, that, that flag day is coming up. <laughs> flag day, sure. <laughs> Uh, they ran out of days. They had to go to proms and uh, and graduations and things mm -hmm. like that. There are good kills. Yeah, and there, some there, of them, are, some there of them, are some good kills. Even in this 
this cut version, absolutely, I do like the kills. So I, I did have to look up like when they did the like the head in the pot kill. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like they ripped that off from Sleepaway Camp. But oh, this was yeah. bef- that but this was before Sleepaway Camp. Oh. I had to look it up. So this was eighty one, Sleepaway Camp was eighty three. Oh, right. See, I want to say that was earlier. Interesting. But like pulling the heart out of the pot after that was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved the showerhead kill despite the editing. Um, yeah. I realized that there are better versions on YouTube. Uh, the drill double kill very much. Very I think good. that was before Jason did it. In I think it the was double part impalement. two or part three that, that Jason did, like the double impalement. That was great. Thomas R. Berman. So we've talked about him because he did the 70s Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which which has some unbelievable practical effects in it. Not necessarily like a gory movie, but some of the effects that he did were just really, really impactful special effects. And then he would go on to do things like Scrooged. Yes. One of the things that I thought about this week is we talk about like these these 80s, especially early 80s slashers a lot. And we talk about how nobody in the movies went on to do anything else. Both movies this week are not the case. There are some incredible stories about people that went on to work on some very, very big things and have like not just like careers in what they worked on on these particular movies, but just like very fruitful careers that like spanned all kinds of different types of media. Neil Affleck would go on to do animation for The Simpsons and Family Guy. And voiceovers, like for all those, like, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, He was also in Scanners. Yes. uh, I mean, this has heavy Canadian ties. I wish um, Keith Knight was in more. Keith Knight plays Hollis. He was kind of the big guy. He was in Meatballs, and he was in Uh, a movie called The Class of 1984. He looks like a walrus. He's my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) He's my favorite part of the whole movie, because a lot of times in these old slashers, the big guy is kind of like butt of a lot of jokes. You know, he's got a big fat head and, you know, big double chin and all that. Uh, he kind of looks like me if I had a mustache. Oh, and uh, But in this movie, he's wicked cool. Oh, yeah. This, this is like the coolest fat guy around. He's got guy, a hot girlfriend. He's got a hot girlfriend yeah. and he's like, he's a really effervescent personality. Yeah. He takes him down the mine. <laughs> he takes him down the mine. He takes him and he's leading the charge. Yeah. Everybody respects this, this guy. Everybody thinks that this guy's cool, you know? I really appreciated that. I was convinced for a good like 20 minutes that he was the same guy that was the hotel owner in Basket Case. I was like, that's him. That's the same <laughs> that, 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 was, that, was, that was the porn director. Big handlebar mustache. Man, I was really... Cool ass guy. <laughs> Have you ever thought of growing a handlebar mustache? I, after Now I am thinking no. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, can you do one? I don't think I can. Dave, you're halfway there. I can't. I can't get any further. What do you... Maybe if I incorporated my nostril hairs, I could get something going. I think you got the makings of it right there. Thanks. I'll just give it a little twist. Supposedly, the crew kept the cast in the dark on this uh, as to who the killer was. The uh, OG scream. Uh, yeah, until the end. Nobody actually knew. So that that's yeah. kind of cool. And I will say that I, you know, the, the, the characters may be somewhat disposable, like you said, Kevin, but... I, I did think that the interactions among the cast, I thought that it was pretty genuine. And, you know, for one of these old lower budget movies. I liked the way the cast interacted. It, it seemed kind of real. Um, this was a $2 million budget made under $6 million, Didn't really make any money. I think the director wanted to do a sequel. And at that return, not going to happen. Well, but it was also funded by, we've talked about it before, by the CFD. Oh, this is because this is a Canadian production. Yes. Yes. So this is like another one. We talked about it with like Cronenberg, how 
he got like uh, the CFD got a lot of criticism for funding films like Cronenberg's and like right. this because they're using taxpayers' money to fund a movie like this in Canada, and the folks weren't exactly happy. But I mean, two point three against five point seven is not a bad turnaround back in the early eighties because you weren't spending exorbitant amount amounts of money doing marketing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this this made a profit. It's not bad, but it's not enough for my bloody Valentine yeah, part two. Not gangbusters. <laughs> and I think the criticism and the censorship that it got probably squashed all of that. Did anybody catch the caption at one point that at the beginning of the movie says it's Thursday the twelfth, and then Friday the thirteenth? That would make the dance right. The and dance then, is on Saturday the fourteenth on yes. Valentine's Day. That would make the interim Friday pretty sneaky, wow, huh? Wow, it is. <laughs> It's hard to like pinpoint what slight difference makes a movie like Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, like better than this because yeah. I watch this and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, the acting is good, mm-hmm. everything. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't tell what makes. I, the I honestly think, I, yeah, go ahead. I think sometimes it's what comes first. Maybe you can pick up on like a Friday the Thirteenth Part One. Uh, Texas Chainsaw, like you can pick up on, all right, this is like OG, grimy, there's no money here, and there's no formula. We've never seen it before, so sometimes it's like, this might be better if you had seen it before Friday the 13th, but sometimes it's just literally what happens first. I I think for me, it just has a lot to do with a lot of the mining that you've done, Dave. You've brought in all of these- No pun intended. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I uh, nightmare, Teddy or the pit, um, mutilator, like you said, tourist trap. So many eccentric, interesting, offbeat, deep cut, eighties slasher. That I don't know. This one just um, it's a little it's a little boring. Even I think the burning I think has more flair, more to offer than this one. Insert song from the band My Bloody Valentine here. What about the Harry Warden, the ballad of Harry Warden, though? That's exactly. we know. could listen. We got mash-up. a room full of musicians. I feel I feel a mashup coming on. <laughs> Once upon a time, on a sad Valentine, in a place known as Mine legend began every woman and man would always remember the time and those who remained were never the same you could see the fear in their eyes once every year my second pick of this calendar week was april fool's day from 1986 When a group of college students decide to spend spring break at the secluded island of their wealthy classmate Muffy St. John, what starts out as a fun, hedonistic weekend turns into something more sinister. Muffy is very fond of practical jokes and sets up numerous gags throughout her mansion. But when friends begin going missing and turn up dead... They realize that they're trapped on an isolated aisle with a mysterious and brutal killer. This movie fucks. This movie was so good. Um, I think it might be my new favorite. 
going into it, I was definitely just like, oh, another 80s, you know, slasher. There's probably going to be like boobs and blah, blah, blah. But no, the cast is so talented and fun to watch, especially Biff pre Back to the Future. Is this pre? When did? Yep, it was yeah, pre, pre Back to the Future. Um, and then the twists just like start off right off the bat with all these little pranks. But then the real pranking starts, you think, with like murder pranky twists instead. Uh, we've got eyeball injuries. We've got decapitations. We got cut off genitals. We got whiny trust fund babies getting got. Uh, what more? I think could any of us ask for? Um, the last, the last like fifteen minutes of the film is where it really gets into the um, the favorite film category. This is when it really makes its mark for sure. Little intense, gets a little stressful, gets a little less stressful than more stressful, and it's just oh, it was just perfect. Not what I was expecting at all. I have some questions, but not I. I had some questions, and then. Those were answered, and then more arose, and I got, I, I, I still, got, I got some more. So I don't know. I just loved it. I thought it was good. Um, funny, creepy, deadly ride. It's April Fool's. So I loved it. This is an interesting one. I always remember this one because I think it has, it had one of the most iconic VHS covers mm-hmm. in the whole horror section. If you remember, it has the woman with the braid, her hair is braided into a noose, and she's holding the knife behind her back, and that was on the shelf of every video store, big and small. They always had April Fool's, and you always saw the braided noose and the (laughs) knife. You know, I'm not sure I ever actually saw the movie, though. If I did, I forgot about it. I guess this was on cable a lot because it's... There's no gore in this, um, and it's not like a cut situation. Like the last movie we talked about, I'm of two minds about this movie, and we're going to have to talk about, we're going to have to spoil this at the end. We'll wait till the end, because I, for me, a big part of this movie is the big twist. So initially watching this movie, I'm like, you know, there's something really lifelike and... Um, different about this slasher now it's late it's 86 anytime to me you're going to check out a slasher from after 1985 you're checking out something very late to the game and i'm wondering why why is this such a late slasher why why was this made right why was this Mm -hmm. made this is so late um so i'm watching i'm like you know this is i really kind of like the way the characters are interacting with each other, it's too many teens, first of all. This is like night of too many teens to keep track of. But they're all like doing a pretty good job of uh, of performing and the mood is is seems realistic. They're they're kind of likable and I'm thinking there's a little something to this I didn't realize. Uh the writer of this, Danilo Bach, wrote all three Beverly Hills cop movies. Oh. So well, story by. That adds up, though. Oh, he didn't write the screenplay. Story by. Oh, who wrote the screenplay? I don't fucking know. I thought Daniel Lovac wrote the screenplay. Story by. Oh. He didn't write the screenplay to this. No, he did to, to this movie, yes. Oh, you're saying yeah. Beverly yes. Hills Cop. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> story, story by. by. So, like, uh, I mean, okay. we're, we're not a, a nerd you. podcast gotcha. about, like, gotcha. you know, what story by and screenplay well, by. We're, we're, we're not delving into that. No, I, I'll delve into that. Sure. No, that's a good point. I think that's a good point. Usually, in my understanding, when you see story by, 
they had the original idea and they might have even written a, a treatment but at some point somebody else came along and they changed it enough that the screenplay was written by someone else exactly but it's it's so much based on the first person that they have to get the story by credit but bodies, this, bodies, this bodies. movie he wrote it right Th- this you one, are correct he in wrote that. the screenplay okay gotcha I, I appreciate that Kevin thank you Director Fred Walton, we've talked about another movie that Fred Walton directed. We talked about his debut feature film as a director, When a Stranger Calls from 1979. Oh, that god-awful movie. Didn't we like that one with Carol I, Kane? I yeah. didn't like it. You didn't like that? No. We'll talk, well, you know, part <laughs> two of When a Stranger Calls. Well, I don't this is about like the it. end of it for him. He did one more feature, and then he did a lot of TV, did an episode of Miami Vice. Ultimately, this one uh, did not work for me. Um, what? No, I don't. I I don't. <gasps> I'm surprised that you were um you're so into this. Wow. I, I I just. It's like a game show. It, there's, you know, it's <laughs> kind of funny. This is one of those movies where there are so many people in this house and they all know each other, but different people go missing for long periods of time and nobody seems to notice. I mean, how it'd be like if we're doing this podcast now, we're all together at the studio. Like if one of us just was gone for an hour. And the rest of us just keep hanging out. Not nobody even comments on it. They're horny teens. A little weird. Uh, this has been compared to, and then there were none. The Agatha Christie thing, the similar to bodies, bodies, bodies. I think anytime you have a group of people that go to one place, everybody just compares it to to Agatha Christie murder mystery. That's kind of what it is. So who done it? I don't know. Uh, we can talk more about this, and we will. But uh, not a big fan of this. <sighs> I'm Dave. I didn't love April Fool's Day on my most recent watch, and I fuck on the first date. <laughs> um, I was when I first saw this. I loved this movie. I was the prime demographic for the holiday horror slashers. Right. Yeah. Uh, I watched every single one. You kind of knew what you're getting into. Uh, they're a little formulaic, but I love them. Um, that was kind of my introduction to horror was this era. So, or this was kind of late in that, but I still did love this movie back then. When I watched it recently, I again, this one was not cut, but I remember this being more gory. Um, and the same thing happened um, seeing Happy Birthday to Me, which is slightly more gory than this, but it's so 80s though. And I love how 80s it is. I love that it's kind of like a John Hughes movie, um, like slasher though. But it is a whodunit. Uh, that was kind of a different twist on the slasher. Although you know you you're always kind of revealed who is the guy, even if they do have a twist at the end. You're kind of led down a way where you think it's one person or whatever. I did think that the clues were a bit on the nose and no one really picked up on them yeah the disheveled muffy <laughs> was uh muffy very uh, very obvious <laughs> i did like thinking of this movie as biff in an alternate timeline because Chaz is just like biff yeah and he's great at that and i love that he shit his pants Arch Cummings. Some good names in this. You got Arch Cummings in this movie. Oh, fuck. I meant to mention in uh, My Bloody Valentine that the uh, the sheriff is called Sheriff Newbie. Yeah, both of these movies have some good names. Yeah. But this is kind of like if you watched like 80s teen movies, it was kind of an all-star cast of kind of like the side dude in every other movie. I think this guy with the sunglasses and the spiky hair 
from just one of the guys. Do you guys remember that? It was an early... Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the football helmets over the boobs. We've talked right. about it before on the podcast. It, yeah, it was formative. There, um, there was two two members of the cast were in were in that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. One of the women uh, was in just one of the guys. Um, Deborah Goodrich. She plays. Oh, Nikki. right, the friend, the the yeah. girl who fucks in the first date. They were both in that. Yeah. Oh, that adds up. I don't remember ever. I Trent, like you said, I remember seeing the cover of this movie. The cover is iconic. I don't remember ever seeing this yeah, movie. Yeah, me either. And I think I would because. Just because of Amy Steele. Right, she was in Friday the 13th Part 2, which we talked about a couple years ago. And she was, a, we, we, I, I feel like, I haven't gone back and listened to the episode, but I feel like we regaled her as like a fantastic final girl. And I think she's great in this as well. Uh, I mentioned in My Bloody Valentine, the characters aren't that like well developed. This one actually held up way better in terms of yeah, character yeah, I development. Agree. I like, agree. I knew every single yeah. character. They I, were all stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. But they were all pretty well developed. Yeah, I so agree. I was way more into this one than I was my bloody me Valentine. Me too. It kept it kept me into. It. I was like, hey, this is pretty good. But I was waiting for the gore. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, I was like, this could have been like a lifetime or like made for TV movie. Because nothing is actually ever shown. Everything is implied or hinted and, at. And I was forgiving that because everything else was so good. I was thinking, you know what? This is a, a good slasher, even though it's not showing you gore. Hey, this is, like you say, good characters, well-written. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's a perfect example of like what you get with the 80s sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you get really bad acting and really great special effects and kills. And you forgive the bad acting and the bad character uh, development. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes you get no gore. Everything's off screen, but your imagination can play to you. So what do you prefer? This actually has pretty good, albeit like very shallow and stereotypical character development. I prefer this to my Bloody Valentine. I thought it was better. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I do. I think that uh, like Biff, um, spiky hair guy... Amy Steele, uh, who plays her boyfriend, uh, Ken Olant, plays Rob. He was in the original Leprechaun with Jennifer Aniston. I thought all of this was like really, really good, uh, much better acting than my bloody Valentine. I'm not going to give away the twist yet, but Trent, sounds like you were angered by the twist. I'm pissed about the twist. Yeah. Ruined yeah, the whole entire thing. I, yeah. I loved everything. the twist. I loved it. I oh. thought it was super bold. I thought it was. <laughs> bold. I thought it was great. <laughs> it was bold. I thought it was great. I thought the twist was very good. Thank you, Kevin. I agree with you, Kevin, not Trent. Wasn't uh, now one of the producers on this was a producer on like four different Friday the Thirteenth movies, right? Yeah, Frank Mancuso Jr., whose yeah. dad was a big producer in Hollywood. So, right. yes. He um, worked, this guy worked on he worked on a bunch of Friday the 13th movies. It's 7 degrees of Kevin Bacon at this point. There's like, a guy we're that not going like to get Kevin too Bacon. far when we talk about an 80s slasher, <laughs> oh, we're not every... going to get too far away from, you know, the same people. Uh, made a little more money than My Bloody Valentine, 5 million dollar budget, 13 million dollar box office. I'm surprised nobody's done a well, see, the stupid ending. You can't what can you do with this? You no, there was really... a remake of this. Oh, yeah. there was right. Oh. Yeah. Didn't have time to watch it. Didn't honestly. Who would watch a remake? After... Try to find time to watch it. To be honest, <laughs> that's a remake for people who have not seen the original. Because I don't. Why would you watch a remake? The whole thing is about the twist, and now you know the twist. Why would you watch that again? I would. You could make a a bigger twist. Yeah, you'd have to change it. 
I would think. Have you seen the remake? No. Well, I guess you wouldn't. No, I said <laughs> I, I said that I did not have time, but uh, I would find time. I think the most surprising thing about this is that it was 1986. But that the reason for that is that it's not really a slasher. It's a twist. The later ones, and you run into this a lot. That's why, you know, when you get past 85, a lot of times what you'll get with these slashers is you'll get somebody putting a bit of a twist on the slasher. That was my first thing was that this is not your average 80s slasher. And I do think if you're going to say anything positive about this movie i think that it's interesting i think this is one of those early moments where horror starts to become self-aware we're we're past the dawn of new horror we're past the 70s we're past the slasher craze of the 80s and now horror is sort of turning inward a little bit becoming it's it's not meta it's not self-aware but it's it's becoming self-aware. The The computer is starting to run its own program here. And now people are doing these sort of twists and these sort of spins. They're subverting expectations because now it's 86. And now you have established expectations that you can play with and you can subvert. And that's what this movie does. I just am pissed about how it does it. So how much of this is supposed to be meta? How much of this is supposed to be comedy? How much of this was ahead of like funny. Scream? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not meta at all, but it's it's kind of funny. You don't think so? Like, you don't think it's like, you no. just said it's like subverting. But meta, or like, but it, meta is it's like. self-aware. Yeah, but not, it's not. Meta, it's, meta is like referencing. or it, paint, It's, it's, it's hinting that horror movie. will become that, but this movie doesn't know it's a movie. They don't talk about horror movies in this. They don't say, oh, we're, you know, it's not meta. But it's, it's just a sign that things are going in that direction. And it is pretty funny. It's very horny. I loved the... Uh, the scene where they're reading the sex quiz, the girls are in the kitchen and they're they're taking the sex quiz out of the magazine. There's the hot dog cutaway where somebody says something yeah. about wanking the spud and then it goes right <laughs> to the hot dog. Wanking the spud. The do hot you, dog going Do you in. know how the uh, Cosmopolitan quiz thing happened? I do. They were taking it on set and the director thought it was so funny. He said, do that again. Roll. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> put some hot dogs in there. No, he went back to his trailer and rewrote the questions. It wasn't right. Oh. He rewrote it. And came back it. Yeah. and said, do that yeah. again yeah. on camera. And it's funny. Um, I don't know why I, I like this movie so much. I thought I think it's because it's like lighthearted. I thought it was funny. Um, it is funny. And then, you know, it gave me a, a real good what moment, which I really appreciate in one of these. And I don't know. I just had fun watching it. It's a quick watch. It's like an hour and a half. You know what I mean? I didn't have to use my brain. Maybe that's what it was. Like all week, I've just been using my brain too much. And then I just like turned it off for this one. And I, I had a great time. I also liked how there's April Fool's pranks through the whole thing. The 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 inviter, yeah. Muffy, is it Buffy? It's, it's Muffy. 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 Oh, it's Muffy. She's doing the pranks on everyone the whole time, and every time she says April Fools, you know, you got the dribble glasses, you got the whoopee cushion, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, all that stuff. The is heroin like, needle, like <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. crying baby. <laughs> yeah, it's all super innocent. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think that uh, we talk a lot about the slashers kind of blending into each other. And that was kind of my criticism of My Bloody Valentine. This one, although the ending does make me mad too, this one sets itself apart uh, in just the pacing, the characters' interactions with each other, and how it strings you along. Uh, Mm -hmm. And even though you're mad at the end, I don't know, they, they did a good job of making something fresh. I wasn't mad. I was not mad. There there are two other movies from 1986, two other horror movies that also take place on April Fool's Day. 
What? Slaughter High and Killer Party. Whoa. Well, this is no return to horror high. Everybody I'll was jumping on the last possible holiday. They had done Mother's Day. <laughs> they did graduation. They did prom by now. It was like nothing Has left. Has there but... been a Memorial Day horror movie? Let's no, do because it. what do you, like, what would that be? I guess the that would have to be day? like a Prowler type thing. I believe there is a President's Day. Oh, no, that's Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam is, I think of that, yeah, that's it, like a- July 4th. July 4th. <laughs> They kind of ran out of steam after April Fool's Day, I feel like. Memorial Day. We got to do it. Everyone's just wearing white. It would be like a zombie. It would be like a... You'd have to be soldiers, come dead soldiers, Like a red back. snow type thing. Yeah, like. yeah. yeah. All right, you guys want to spoil this thing or, or what? I mean, I, go ahead if you've got more to say. I just... I've... Danger. The emergency destruct system is now activated. The ship will detonate in T-10 minutes. The option to override automatic detonation expires in T minus five minutes. Kill count. Zero. April Fool. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse than that. It was a all few a few times. They it do it a few times. Uh, <laughs> What's another movie we've talked about that has had zero None. kills? Never I was happened. thinking about it. What about... What was that one with Michael Douglas that we watched? The, the game. game. Was there that's, a kill in that? Okay. That's a similar thing. I Fair. thought about that. Fair. That's a similar Fair. thing. Every, is, I don't, that yeah. might be the only other one. There's no killer. Nobody dies. Even the ferryman. And it's yeah. so... Oh, my God. I'm, so, I'm getting so mad. <laughs> about and they show all the I kids in the room, and they're all like yucking it up and laughing. And then all of a sudden, they do one of those deals where, let's say, you, the shot is a room, and all the people in the room are there. But then later, there's it's like out of The Simpsons. Later, there's another shot where all of a sudden the ferryman guy is there. He was not there a second ago, but now the ferryman guy is there. April Fool's. Just <laughs> fucking die. <laughs> and you guys had mentioned at the, the very final scene that they reshot it in two parts where someone had gotten a different haircut for another role. Yeah. yeah. And they just they cut from one shot to another with totally different hair. April Fool's. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was great. I thought it was very effective. I thought like that that last scene where they're running, so um, Rob and Kit are running, and they think that they're about to be killed by Buffy, who is Muffy's twin sister, Ooh. who has killed Muffy and cut her head off, and is now killing everybody that came to the to the lake house, which by the way is in Maine. Oh, is it Maine license plate in this movie? Look wow. out. And I thought it was really effective. And when she finally burst through the doors and everybody we thought was dead is just sitting there making pretend like they don't notice that she's like all distraught. And they're just like hanging out. I thought that was good. The guy takes I thought it was good. the latex off his face to reveal that he's not actually hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Sticks it on the other guy's face and he runs around for 10 minutes with it on his he's face. Like, love it. Like hyperventilating. Yeah, love yeah. It. And her, she's a she's in acting school. So her friend who does special effects just happened to whip up some uh, severed heads and some full body dummies. Yeah. <laughs> he had them already. Come on. Listen. I can't even talk about this. I think if it was super like gory or even super scary- at different points, that the end would hit differently. Right. If it was almost a relief from how crazy it was, yeah. Yeah. then maybe you would be like, okay, it was called April Fool's, I expect that. there was that. some what sort else? of tension that had been built up in you and you were relieved. I right. felt right. a little tense. 
No, not really. The whole well, <laughs> Buffy, the whole Buffy five minutes. Listen, her disheveled hair, Buffy. her teased hair really got to me. I don't know. I thought I thought we were gonna get a, a triple twist. Like I thought all of a sudden there were different. Someone was gonna get murdered. There was more shot. Oh, there was. Yeah, there was another twist where Skip actually comes back and actually kills somebody Muffy yeah. for the inheritance. Uh, and then there was another double twist where that happened, but then that was a joke. And then there was another one uh, where too many. he tries to kill her, but then someone else kills Skip. I mean, and they, they oh. never, sus- well, I guess it makes sense because of the ending, but they never suspect one another. They only suspect Muffy mm-hmm. or Buffy or whatever, right. but they never, there's no tension between the group like there is in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, that's fair. People, it's a whodunit, like no one cares. Yeah. And that's the only part that to me uh, didn't, I wasn't conflicted in any way. Yeah, that's fair. So Skip that we're talking about. So in the in the beginning of the movie, there's a boat accident where, like Dave, you were just talking about, like the guy gets like oh, crushed yeah. by the boat. Yeah, yeah. His face is all fucked up. He dies allegedly. We know now that he does not didn't die. Just had the like awesome makeup there in the water, ready to go. So Woo. they blame the whole thing on Skip. In real life, Griffin O'Neill, who plays Skip, he was in a boat accident a year after this movie. And he was indicted on manslaughter charges yeah. for a boating accident he caused while on drugs. Tell him who he that, killed. That killed Francis Ford Coppola's son, <gasps> Giancarlo. Oh, my So he gosh. never worked. Yeah, he killed a Coppola. Oh, wow, my Wow, that's goodness. a good band name. This is, so, this is April so, uh, Fool's joke. Is this real? No, yeah. no, that's legit. No, this wow. is this movie is such a joke. Kevin and I are fighting for the trivia scratch. <laughs> I, I had that one ready to go. <laughs> that's a good one. Dave, do you know who was supposed to play Muffy? Bruce Springsteen. No. Nope. What? <laughs> April Fool's. Keep, 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 I, I really want Dave to get this. Uh, Muffy. Um, Night of the Demons. Oh, <gasps> Winnie. Quickly. Oh yeah. Oh, yep. love wow. That. Conflicts that. with conflicts with the turn of the living dead. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't have I don't think she would have been good in the wholesome thank role like God. this. Right. Like, thank you for doing return oh sorry, return of the living dead. Did we say this made thirteen million on five million? It's not bad. Yeah, no, not bad. It's like almost porkies, but not yeah, quite it's a horny yeah, enough. It's a joke. It's making a joke about calendar horror. April Fools. <sighs> Did you? Oh, okay. I wait. I have my one more trivia right, that uh, you it. haven't done yet. Do Get him. The New York Daily News reviewer, and you can read this. It's still it's archived on the internet. You can actually look at like a slide of the actual review. The reviewer for the New York Daily News was so incensed by the ending that he spoiled it in his review, and he wrote, uh, normally there is an agreement, uh, uh, an implicit agreement that reviewers do not spoil movies. Well. April Fool's morons, and he, and he oh. spoils the whole thing. It says it's like the most witless, dumbest thing. I agree with that guy. I should have done that. He should have done a really, really uh, great review, and then like April and then Fool's. Fool's. Yeah. <laughs> Missed opportunity there. Hey, did you guys notice the overwhelming nonstop moosehead product placement in My Bloody Valentine, by the way? Yes, no. that's how I knew it was Canadian. You didn't notice that, Kevin? No. The entire movie, yeah, like every head, single moose fucking head, scene head. has Moosehead beer in it. Yeah, I mean, twenty minutes in, I was like, eh, I haven't had a Moosehead in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I kept, so like, it worked. That it worked. Green, yeah, that good green bottle skunky mm. Canadian beer. I kept, boy, I, I wish I could it. have a Moosehead right now. It works. Yep. Trash movie. This fucking movie. I appreciate <laughs> revisiting these. You could do worse. Absolutely, hundred percent. You could do worse than either of these. I will say that for sure. 
Thank you. And the twist. Next week, checking out the 2009 film Dogtooth, which is on the Criterion channel right now, also free on Pluto, Plex, or VOD. Also going to be talking about a movie called Bad Boy Bubby from 1994. Bad Boy Bubby is free on Tubi or a rental on Prime.